On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I tell you why I'm running four marathons this year, and I discuss the idea why you should spend 2024 planting more seeds. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 179 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, I hope you've had a good week. I hope this has been a productive week, an exciting week. We're still at the very beginning of the year and I'm not sure about you, but I still have the momentum. I still feel like this year is full of opportunity and I can get everything done and I'm feeling really good. And I'm aware that it's going to be like March or April soon. And I won't feel that way because nobody feels that way in March or April. So with this newfound momentum that I have, that I hope you have, that so many people have around this time of the year, I just think it's worth leaning into it, mindful of the fact that it will be gone soon. So get done what you can whilst you feel excited about the year. Now, since we last spoke, I have announced the big, silly running challenge. And so if you're on the newsletter, if you subscribe on YouTube, if you follow me literally anywhere but this podcast, you would have already seen what it is. But if you're just a podcast listener, let me give you a little rundown. So this year, I am going to be running four marathons in the four nations of the UK. So one in England, one in Scotland, one in Wales, and one in Northern Ireland. Now, bear in mind, I have never ran a marathon before. And they say that you really shouldn't run more than two marathons per year to allow yourself time to train and recover and get ready for the next one. And on top of that, they say that you should really allow 16 weeks to train for a marathon. Now, my first marathon is in seven weeks and three days. So I have not allowed myself enough time for marathon number one. And then between marathons one and two, I think there is a 63 day gap between two and three. There's a 49 day gap and between three and four, there is a 98 day gap. So all of the marathons are happening within the space of about six and a half months of each other. And that's just because marathons typically happen within a marathon season, right? The, the kind of spring through to late summer is when they all take place. And so I've tried to plan this in such a way to allow each of the marathons in England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland to be as evenly spaced apart as possible and to give me both enough time at the beginning of this year now that I've actually committed to this to train at least somewhat convincingly between now and Sunday the 3rd of March which is the first marathon but also crucially have a long enough period of wiggle room at the end of the year. I think I've left 92 days so that if something goes disastrously wrong during one of the marathons I know that I have that period at the end of the year before the calendar year ends to try and work something out to find another marathon even if you know I get uh, I don't know injured and can't run say the Wales marathon if I then have to at the end of the year self-organize self-manage my own 
unofficial non-chip timed marathon, so be it. I will still be taking that as a win. This is a silly idea, but I think it's important when you want to uh, fundraise for a charity, which is what I'm doing. I'm running these events for the Alzheimer's Society, who we managed to raise, I think, £3,100 for when I did the Cardiff Half Marathon. I think it's important when you fundraise, in my opinion, to do something difficult, right? Like if you're terrified of heights and you jump out of a plane because you want people to part with their hard-earned money to give to a charity that you care about, that kind of makes sense to me. Whereas if you're a plane enthusiast, kind of less impressive, right? And so raising as much money as I did for the half marathon, although I'm enormously and forever grateful to everybody who donated and please don't feel the need to donate again if you already have it didn't feel like a very big challenge right 13 miles that i had what 10 months to train for wasn't that impressive wasn't that difficult and therefore i think i felt bad pushing the fundraising link and doing the legwork no pun intended for the charity that i otherwise perhaps would have done because you can only push, I'm running half a marathon so many times before you lose a, the kind of effect of that being impressive. So I've been speaking since April last year with a few friends, trying to decide what I could do this year that allowed me to continue to support that charity and the important work they do that was impressive enough for there to be a narrative behind it, which allowed me to, for a whole year, push forward with fundraising, but that also was realistic enough. So to break the fourth wall for a moment, the original version of this event was me trying to run six marathons in a year. And I thought that that was silly and impossible. And then a couple of months after I had that very initial conversation, I recorded the podcast episode that you may well have heard with Nick Butter. Nick, who has ran over a thousand marathons and run a marathon in every country on the planet and done all of these crazy things. And so when I was listening to him talk, I'm like, yeah, maybe I can do six, but six marathons is just a bit random, right? There's no rhyme or reason. There's no story behind it. There's no narrative you can paint. And also trying to find six that are evenly enough space to part to allow for that training and recovery time that I spoke about because they're all bundled into the middle of the year, it would literally have been like one per month every month for the whole of the spring and summer. And if my recovery duration is anything to go by from the half marathons that I've pushed myself in last year, it would just have been unviable because sure, maybe I would have got to the finish line of all six of them, but in the three or four weeks between each of them, I would have got no work done. I would not be recording this podcast. Like they write you off when you really push yourself at that distance. So I decided four across the four nations. I managed to find the dates in such a way where they kind of work. Uh, the England one is up first on the 3rd of March. That is at a racetrack called Alton Park, somewhere towards Manchester, kind of northwest-ish uh, the second one is in Northern Ireland. That is the Belfast City Marathon. I think from memory that's on the 5th of May. And then on the 23rd of June is the Velfort Wales Marathon. There is a teeny tiny gap between the Northern Ireland Marathon and the Wales Marathon. That's because there is only 
one official proper marathon in the whole of Northern Ireland. So I had to pick that one. And there are only two proper marathons in the whole of Wales. One happens a week before or after, I forget which, within a week of the Northern Ireland one. So I couldn't pick that. That was ruled out. Therefore, I had to pick the one 49 days away. So that's going to be very difficult. And then there's that big gap in the summer, nearly 100 days. And then I think it's the 29th of September that I'm running the Loch Ness Marathon, which looking at the course and the route, it looks really nice, but also it's fairly downhill. It's a very straight course. That should be a nice way to round out the year. And I was having a conversation with somebody last night saying that I think the only thing that will encourage me through the the awful runs, because they're going to be awful, I'm like I'm confident of that, having done a few half marathons, the thought of getting to the end of a half marathon and having to do another half all over again is going to be miserable. But more than that, what's going to get me through all of the training runs? For example, this Saturday, I need to run 18 miles. That's the furthest I've ever ran. And that's the beginning of this training plan. And then it's like 16 next week and then uh, 20 the week after and then like 21 the week after that. Like it's a lot of volume and like a 10 mile run every Wednesday and these different kind of drills and runs throughout the week. It's going to be awful, particularly in this weather, particularly at this time of year. All that's going to get me through it is the thought that on the 29th of September, probably around 1pm, I'll be somewhere near Loch Ness in Scotland, probably sat on the floor eating a banana, saying my ankle is sore, but I will have realised that I've done it. I would have ran the four marathons in the four nations of the UK in 2024. And so that's my thinking. That's why I'm doing it. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I don't really know what else to say about it because I am a big believer in not talking about things that you haven't yet done, right? A couple of people have messaged me and said, wow, it's so amazing you're doing that. And there's just something within me which Uh, not to sound like this is therapy, but doesn't allow myself to take too much praise until I have done something right. It's so easy to say what you're going to do. It's so easy to say, oh, I'm going to do this big running challenge and then not do it. So when I've done it, then I will allow myself to be happy and proud and whatever other emotions bubble to the top. But in the meantime, I'm just focused on those training runs. I'm focused on trying to keep my body in as good shape as possible this year with all of the strain that's going to be under. I'm focused, of course, on trying to raise as much money as possible for the Alzheimer's Society. I've set a target of £5,000. I have a full year to raise that. So I don't think that's super unrealistic. And of course, I'm focused on the 3rd of March, which is the first run, which is in like 50 days from today. So it's all very scary. But that is the running challenge that I've been teasing for a long time. I just thought I would tell you a little bit about it. And then the only other thing I really want to talk about today is an idea that I posted in a very, very short video the other day. But I think it is worth diving into a little bit more because it sounds a little bit platitudey, particularly when it's in like a 12 second Instagram reel. But actually, it's really useful and it's really practical. And whatever your goals are this year, even if you don't yet have goals, this idea can help you move towards them. So the video I posted starts with the words, plant more seeds this year. And then I go on to talk about the fact that this year doesn't need to be the year when you achieve all of your goals. And actually, let's go a level deeper. I can tell you now, 
this year will not be the year that you achieve all of your goals because we know how years work, right? We know how life goes. You will never have a year where you achieve everything you want to in that year. And you certainly will never have a year where you get to the end of the year and you feel like you've made it. You have realized all of your ambitions and everything went well and you're the best version of you you can be. That's not going to happen. But something dangerous happens when you get to that kind of middle point of the year and you realize that this isn't going to be the year you thought it was going to be. This isn't going to be the year when you achieve all of your goals. And that dangerous thing is because you're absolutist about it, because you're either going to have the year you wanted or you're not, once you realize you're not, because spoiler, none of us are, too many people give up. Too many people think, right, it's okay. It's, it's, it's September now. I've been on my holiday. Christmas is coming soon. I'll just wait till next year. And I think that is the wrong approach. I think that your entire mindset to moving towards your goals should be taking the analogy of planting seeds, right? Let's imagine that you one day want a, a life which is analogous to a, a beautiful garden with varied plants and some are really strong and have grown really well and some eh, they're over in the corner and they're not that impressive. But when you step back, you look at this garden and you're like, yeah, I really like this, right? The analogy, of course, being that you step back and you look at your life in 20, 30, 40 years time and you're like, cool, I have a really well-rounded life, right? My finances are somewhere which allows me to live comfortably and I have a family and maybe some children and I like the home we live in and my career is serving me and I feel good about it and I have spare time and I have a community and friends and I'm looking after myself and I have hobbies and passions and interests and ways to let off steam. You have everything in check, every single area of life that you could have had goals in. In a few decades time, you want them all to be somewhere good. Of course you do. Who doesn't? Now, of course, you're never going to achieve all of those things this year. But I would argue that you can begin the slow crawl towards all of those things this year. But you can only do that. You can only begin making progress towards those big life-defining eventual goals once you plant the seeds, right? And maybe the, the big goal for you is I don't know, breaking the, the generations of people in your family who have had to go from house to house renting and nowhere's really felt like home. And you want to be the person who you're not even sure how you're going to do it yet, but you want to own your own home. That's one of those goals, which in a couple of decades time, you're like, yeah, that's what I want, right? Well, of course, you're not going to achieve that this year if you're only now thinking about it. But that doesn't mean that you should discount the idea entirely and think that some future version of yourself is going to stumble upon the solution of how you're going to do that. You can plant the seed by reviewing your spending habits right now, right? By finding a tiny amount extra to put into savings or to invest somewhere every single month, or maybe reviewing your outgoings, whatever it is, right? Not financial advice, but you can plant the seed today literally right now, you can spend a couple of hours this weekend planting the seeds, which eventually will grow into that outcome. Maybe you want to lose a lot of weight. You're probably not going to lose all of the weight you want to this year, but you can plant the seeds to begin that. Maybe you want to be in a long-term relationship with somebody who really values you and you feel like they're your person. You're not going to stumble into them tomorrow, right? 
but you can begin planting the seeds. You can send that risky text. You can tell that person how you really feel. You can, I don't know, improve your small talk. You can do all of these things. You can plant all of these little seeds in pursuit of those bigger goals. And you can do that every single day. That, I think, is why this is such a a powerful analogy, but one that nobody seems to spend much time considering because it's really boring. And it doesn't get the the views on the internet videos and it doesn't sound like something that is inspiring. Like Andrew Tate's not talking about this stuff, right? He's like, rah, rah, but the, the opposite is actually true. You need to just plant seeds. And maybe 90% of the seeds you plant will never grow. They will never blossom. But if you, for the next year, every single day, wake up and say, right, cool. With the couple of hours I have today, spare, after work, before Netflix, whatever it is, How can I plant a couple of seeds to move towards those big long-term goals? How can I be proud of this version of myself today in five years time? Because I will look back and realize that I was the one who began this process to reach this goal, which is currently so unbelievably unachievable that I don't even know where to begin. How can I begin? If you go through life planting seeds, some of them will grow. And when those seeds grow and blossom, you will look back and be really proud. Whereas if you keep delaying, oh, I'll do it when I'm 30, I'll do it in my 40s, I'll do it, I'll do it when I retire, I'll have more time then, I'll have more money then, you're going to die waiting. Things don't happen overnight. We know this, obviously, and yet we forget it when it comes to our own actions and the lagging measures of those actions. Plant more seeds now, come back to me in seven years, and I will have you step back and see the impact of them. But you need to begin today because if you don't, you never will. And then a couple of little bits of housekeeping. I have had the biggest guest I will have ever recorded with, ever, by a long stretch, remarkably say yes last week. Now, I was CC'd in with their manager or agent and nothing has progressed yet. So I'm not going to say anything about who it is but it was a very exciting beginning of the year. Uh, And we're looking to record that episode in March or April when they're doing a uh, a run of press. And if that happens, I just, I'm smiling even thinking about it because not only are they a dream guest who I've listened to on other podcasts and their insights have just spun my mind, but also they're enormous. They are like a very, very, very big household name. And I just feel like it would be a, a leveling up for the podcast. So I'm very excited about that. And also completely unrelated, but there is a big, exciting, fun, funny guest returning to the podcast, probably in April. I've just confirmed a recording date towards the end of March with this person. All very exciting. Speaking to lots of people right now, trying to make lots of conversations for this podcast happen. You could say I'm planting seeds, right? And so it's all very excited. And I'm very excited about the, the direction of content this year. And then very lastly, just speaking of content, if you haven't already, go to seanspooner.co.uk or scroll down to the show notes wherever you're listening to this. Click on that website, scroll down to the pink bit and join my newsletter. I'm sending out every single Monday the best insights and ideas that I'm discovering as I'm writing the book. Uh, And Sunday or Monday's email, I'm going to write it up on Sunday. It's going to be a banger. It's going to be very useful. So make sure that you're signed up if you're not already. 
and you will not regret it. I think that's everything I have. I feel like this episode has been very rushed. I've had a very productive like 11 hour day today and now I'm stood up at the stand up desk just firing through this at speed in the same way that I have fired through every other item on my to-do list today at speed. This is the final one so I'm excited to get this wrapped up and go home. But thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a good week and I will see you back here this time next week for episode number 180 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.